All right, I'm pretty sure this message today is going to conclude our messages concerning the topic of pride, but you know, I suppose that that's always a topic in any sermon, uh, if you really look into it. Um, you know, our first look at pride revealed the two great, great transgressions of pride. Um, and let me do this by illustration. Adam and Eve lived in a perfect world in the Garden of Eve, Eden. Okay. God ruled their life. He was king. He gave them one commandment that if obeyed, would keep everything perfect. However, if they would disobey the command, they would surely die. Well, we know what happened. They disobeyed God's command. And sin polluted everything around them, including themselves. It spread like the COVID virus all through the earth. Uh, what was a perfect world, now a world of difficulty, evil, and death. Now, something I want to mention to you, this is a little theological, but Adam and Eve were the only ones who knew God in their life from the start. I don't believe they ever were unsaved. What happened was their relationship was broken with God. Similar to when we get saved and we sin, we have a relationship issue. We don't lose our salvation. You have to really think about these things and what you think about God determines how you look at what the scriptures said. But what happened to that is every man born after that was born with them being the king of their life. Yeah, I know it's a it's, it's a girly kind of crown, but it's the best I could come up with. And so, God solved the problem. We couldn't save ourselves. We act like we have a, a bunch of pride in our life. We needed a Savior. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come into this world to die for us, that we have the choice and this is what salvation is, is to say, I'll not rule and reign in my life anymore. But Jesus Christ, through His Word, He is called the Word of God, by the way. He is who will rule and reign in my life. And now, this becomes what I believe, what I do, and what judges me. And if you get very far in life, you're going to meet people who are still king of their life. They can be very nice people. They can be all sorts of people. But they're the ones who make the decisions. And you start talking about this, and they very quickly, you'll see that they believe what they believe. That's the difference. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. One transgression through Adam caused everyone born thereafter to be born a sinner, not knowing God. They'd be born king of their own lives, to live and think how they will, to make the best of things in a world with no answers for them. And that's what I find. Uh, me and Brother Andy Follett's been uh, going through some apologetics up at, and he's been dealing with a fellow at work in the same aspect and really they have no answers they have no hope 
they just exist. That's the big, the big difference. But God was not willing that any should perish, was he? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as men, some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. There's coming a day when this is all. Sin will be totally destroyed and all the people who haven't trusted Christ. Now here's the second part of the great transgression of man. The pride of not accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you see people wearing their own crown, their own king, their, you know, and everybody has an opinion. It comes to the point where everybody's right or they think they're the only ones who are right but not accepting Jesus as Savior God sent his son his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life rejecting that is the is the greatest transgression there could be and there's a penalty for that there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. No longer can we come to God directly. We come through Jesus Christ, Him being the Savior. There's only one direction to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It was man's pride that made the mess. It is man's pride to refuse God's sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, to get you out of that mess. Now, the following week, we explored six men in the Old Testament who would be considered very humble men. And I gave you an assignment to watch the link sent to you by Andy Follett, the message of the secret place with God that was given by David Gibbs. Who, is, uh, who heads up Christian Law Association. He's a lawyer and also a preacher. Very blessed of, of God. And this story, or that message, was reinforced by the story of his mother. And I hope you have listened to it. If you did, you will find a modern day story of a humble person. David Gibbs' mother, and also an unexpected lady of color, as he calls it, at the end of the message. As you review the message of the secret place, you will hear a lady who was a servant like Joseph all her life. She served like Noah when the people around her tried to discourage her. Like Abraham, she did very difficult things for God. When things were personally tough for her, she, like Job, would defend God's reputation at all costs. And like Daniel... She never stopped her routine of service for God. And like Moses, she was a spiritual leader for the family of God. If you have not read it, and you are interested how to be a humble person, you owe it yourself to listen to that message. Now last week we started a wheel of pride. A wheel with a hub that represents you, it has a rim 
that rides on life's bumpy road, the saved have what I would call a cushion tire. That's pretty much, you know, all men travel over this bumpy road in life. It, God, doesn't, God doesn't take out everything. You, you'll have some bumps, but what God gives you is peace and understanding and a direction. You know where you're going. You have an assurance. Those who aren't saved, <laughs> it's like a hard wheel. They feel every bump. About the only thing it can do is speed it up to try to go over the top of everything. But all this is connected, what I have is viewed as spokes, relationships. It's all about relationships, if you think about it. Um, some of us may, may like to be limited to few relationships. You know, that's, in one sense, it kind of makes your life a little easier when that's like that. But you have a very shallow life, and you have a very small wheel. If you've ever seen a wheel... Uh, trying to go over a bumpy road, it's better that it's bigger. <laughs> it's better that it has a lot of spokes to, to get, you, get you through. So we started looking at uh, several of these. We got through four of them. We'll get through the next six here, I think, rather easily this morning. First and utmost, we looked at our relationship with God. Does He do all things? Well, I mean, all things well is he in control of your life is he in control of this world do you live to lift him up and praise him does that describe you if not you have pride because you do not have God in his proper place second we spoke about was our spouse does your marriage represent Christ and the church those are big Big words there, think about it. If not, you have pride. Then we talked about the relationship you have with yourself, thinking too highly of yourself, or even too lowly of yourself, is pride. And then the last spoke we talked about was others in, gen in the general sense. We are to live our lives for others. This is what the Bible says. When we do things for self, and I won't ask how many of do things for ourselves, is really pride, a form of pride. And you say, well, that's hard. Hey, what did Jesus do? What did he do for his self? Even in the early in the Bible, there's three we see three basic categories of relationships. We first saw the relationship between God and Adam, or God and mankind. We then saw the relationship to others represented by Adam and Eve. Now the third category of relationship did not seem to surface until the man and woman sinned, resulting in a self-conscious view of themselves. And the eyes of them both were open. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Interesting. When you were under God and when God's, you don't, you don't look to yourself. Yourself just disappears. But all of a sudden what appeared from sin was a self-look, a consciousness and difficulty. 
Today we're going to briefly talk about six other relationship spokes. All these spokes are subheadings under our relationship with others. And as I go through this, this is just touching the hem of the garment. If, if you really want to uh, make this message very meaningful, take just these thoughts and go through life and look at it. As I was preparing this week, and a lot of times what I do is just kind of meditate and, and look at things in life of what God's trying to show me. And it's pretty interesting when you look at things and you look at pride. But here's one, the relationship with our parents. God gave the fifth commandment to honor our father and our mother. Honor is simply special recognition, above just the average. Something special. It does not say obey. Although when a child under the authority of a parent Children, you are commanded to obey your parents. But when we are become married, or the age of marrying, we leave their authority, but we never stop honoring our parents. They are always to be held in a higher regard. Special. Now there is beyond honor, and there is below honor that happens in those relationships. Both are a form of pride. Relationships have a certain way that they are to be, and it's a tricky line to walk. Overstepping boundaries from both parties is a common form of pride. The relationships between parents and children have ever-changing circumstances and challenges as they get older. You see it with your mom and dad and your grandparents. I mean, it's, sometimes they're just hard to find answers for situations. This verse came to my mind when thinking about this. It felt like the Lord just brought this verse. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Proverbs 10:12 Hatred stirreth up strifes but love covereth all sins. And what is love charity suffereth long and is kind. We're going to be speaking about kindness tonight in the church. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, bearing all things, believing, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. I'll just leave you with those verses and let you handle the parent-children relationship and what it means to honor. But then there is that relationship with our children who are under our authority, we can mess up here <laughs> with a myriad of issues can come into this relationship. We don't have time to discuss them all, but let me give you a few thoughts. <clears throat> First of all, you got to realize your children are on loan from God to you. You think they're yours. 
Well, they're your responsibility. <laughs> they're a heritage unto the Lord. But they are a gift. God gave it to them as a gift. We have gifts as children. They're not a burden. You are to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You are to respect each child's uniqueness as special. I'm going to warn you not to have picks or favorites. Jacob and Esau we talked about this morning. Picks and favorites. <laughs> you need to emulate how God is to us. Remember we talked about that right relationship? Each child should be secure in you because you demonstrate how each one, each one is special. Not to be compared, do not compare them with others in the family. They're not to be compared with. They're unique individuals. And they're all special. You are not to feel sorry for them and you're supposed to teach them respect of others. If you exalt one child over another, you are teaching the overestimation of self to one, while at the other time you're teaching the underestimation of oneself to another child. It happens. You raise one child up, that other child feels low. Both of those are wrong. And you need to really be careful of that. If you do, you're teaching. You are prideful when you're teaching your children pride. You don't even realize it. We see pride come about when our child is competing in something. Parents always seem to have an overestimation of their children. And that's why there are contentious outbreaks in sports events. Because your kid's the best. My kid should be playing. I don't know why the coach is playing him. You know, we have that, those kind of prideful tendencies. On the flip side, I've seen this where our actions, our words convey that that child is deficient, can't do anything right, can never please you. You see both sides of that is pride. Again, two opposite sides of pride, yet it's parents' pride that will rub off in various forms of pride in their children. We see it in extremes, but even the best of parents have tendencies in those areas. Now let's talk about our relationship with our authorities as we're going clockwise around our wheel. You know, we sure like to make exceptions here. But the Bible tells us to obey and serve the good and the froward. 1 Peter 2.18, servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. James 3.1 tells us, if we get this, you need to figure this out, folks. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. If God's given you authority, He's just given you a lot of responsibility. It's not something to seek after, folks. I mean, there's just a lot more responsibility if you're looking at it right. And you make the mistake and you end up bearing it. You know, spiritually, there's a responsibility to get to those given an authority over us. Hebrews 13, 17 says, 
Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Now I'm not raising myself up here. I just felt like God wanted me to have you listen to that message that was sent to you. You should obey that. You should obey that. It's, it's not of me, that's of God, and that's good for you. But we have trouble, don't we? What a great area of pride when it comes to being an authority or being under authority. That's where Joseph shined, where we talked about. When he was under authority, it didn't matter who it was, he served them. When he was over authority, he served those people. And God blessed his humble service. You see where pride can get in our life there, and it does. Sometimes we just have fits of it, you know, little blips of it, and where we yell to our wives about our boss or something, you know. I don't really feel it a lot here, but I think preachers go through a lot of getting grilled, you know, over Sunday, Sunday lunches. But... Um, there's also a relationship you have with fellow mankind in general. This is something I think if we become prideful Christians, we miss this. We have a tendency to judge people. We have what's called prejudices. Okay? But God gives us a warning against our pride in this area. James 3.8 says, But the tongue no man can tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men. Now listen to what it says after this. Which are made after the similitude of God. What he's saying is here is God has made mankind, all of mankind, after they are special, they are to be respected in a certain state. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. You know, that heathen, you see all those uh, tattoos he's got and all those earrings he's got and nose rings and you know what? I don't know. I've found some of the kindest people tattooed from head to toe. It's, it's interesting. We've got to respect people. as They have their choices. We've got to be very careful at close to home. On 2 Timothy chapter 2, we just need to keep reading over that. We're patient. <laughs> They're caught in their own devices. Perhaps God will recover them out of the snare of the devil. Acts 10.34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Matthew 5.43, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil, and on the good. 
and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? 1 Corinthians 9.22, Paul says, To the weak became I weak, that I might gain the weak. I am, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. This is what I'm talking about. But be gentle unto all men. I, I, you probably felt a little firing up, didn't you, in your, in your soul when you heard the nonsense and the battling back and forth with really untruth. Gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Now let's move to the next spoke. This one's pretty quick. But there also remains a special relationship with the family of God. If we are to avoid pride, we are to love and care for one another. It's a command from God that we love one another. He said another command I give you that you love one another. Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. Especially. You are especialists out there. Now finally, there's the careful standing and carefulness we must have concerning Satan and his demons, evil people and evil itself. Because we can have a certain pride in that area, above or below. As close as we are to be to God, <laughs> we are to be as far away from the devil, his demons, evil and evil people. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 Abstain from all appearance of evil. You know what is the most growing holiday today? Halloween. Now I'm just going to tell you where this is coming from. And especially among adults. Why do adults have these parties? Because it's an excuse for drunkenness? nakedness they'll be the ones with the tights where they can make an excuse for it to show their stuff to people who shouldn't see it sensuality it builds that up and immoral thoughts covered by the excuse of a holiday sorry folks but when we think that Christianity can reach out to a community on Halloween I believe we are ignoring God's word to abstain from the appearance of evil Thus, it becomes pride. We think we can do. Don't think you can do something above what God tells you not to do. Like you've got some new revelation. Or you justify things. We need to be careful of that. We'll get out there and we'll get our nose busted. And deservingly so. We need not to associate with the deeds of darkness. But there is times when evil comes looking for you. 
1 Peter 5.8, be sober. It says, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Who is it whom he may devour? It's not like it seems, doesn't seem like it's whoever he, he can, whoever he has the ability to. Who is that? It's those who in pride think they can beat him. We are not to fight Satan in the flesh. It is pride. We are not any match for Satan or for evil men. Listen to the scriptures here, what this talks about. Because there's some, I hear people sometimes say, I'll, I'll do this to, to Satan, I'll do that, and I'll, hey. Jude 1, nine. yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, <laughs> and the angels are much higher than us, folks, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said the Lord rebuked. 2 Peter 2.9 The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise governments. These are just evil people we're talking about. Now, there's a flip side to respecting mankind, but there is something about evil people that you need not to be around. Presumptuous, we've heard that word, presumption, prideful. Are they self-willed, not afraid to speak evil of dignities? They run their mouth, they are just nasty, nasty people. It says, whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. This isn't even Satan himself, but just evil people. Just downright dirty evil. 1 Timothy 3.6 says, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the con condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and snare the devil. That's another one that the devil could scoop up. Those who are a novice, who think they're something. And I tell you what, I've seen this a lot, and it really disturbs me because you talk about youth ministries and youth pastors, and it's usually the people who, who, who were youth and go to a college, and the first thing they want to do is teach their peers at this level how to serve God. I kind of have this thing, maybe you ought to be twice the age whoever you're teaching. If you can't teach little ones, you, you can't teach big ones. It's a lot of pride, usually, what I see in those. And all frilly stuff. And do I see those people, those kids serving God? No, I see them disappearing. It is a pride to underestimate the devil and evil. It is pride to overestimate the devil. He is powerless against God. Folks, if you just think about it a little bit. Satan is that powerful. He has that many demons. How come he hasn't destroyed us? Because God has restrained him. There's no other answer for that. How do we even exist? It wouldn't be hard for the devil to just get into my life in a certain spot and just tear me up or any, any one of you. James 4, 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth 
the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So in conclusion, pride is really the element of improper relationships. There are many relationships to consider. Hopefully, in this message, what you see is is pride is something that is humongous and we're never going to like fully defeat <laughs> in this flesh. I, you know, we had a get together and of course I'm like got my mind thinking like on pride things. And it's amazing what you hear, what's said, but what's even more amazing is people are gracious through love and uh, don't make fun of when people are prideful. We, we look over things. But that doesn't justify. We need to watch our pride. Though it can never be defeated, it can be held at bay, resulting, if you want a definition for what an upright life is, this, this is an upright life. The psalmist said, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression." He asked God to keep him from pride or presumptuous sins. In other words, I've seen, we need to be careful. I've seen in some churches where people have gotten raised up, whether they're in their jobs or whatever, and they're put in a position of pride. And more times than not, I've seen those people get out of church. They become their own kind of church. They get out of church because they're just so busy there been lifted up in pride he says to keep us from that he said let them not have dominion over me then shall I be upright and shall be innocent from the great transgression he asked God to keep us from pride or presumptuous then he does not ask to have them completely removed I think he understands I can't have them completely removed he asked that they just wouldn't have dominion over him see the goal, it's the goal so that we can live an upright life before God. That's about the best we can do, is live upright. And that's when pride doesn't have dominion over us. When we're kept from some of these things of pride. He concludes the psalm with, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. What we fill our minds with, here, here's how you get over pride. This is the only way. And we got work to do, folks. We got a lot of work. I speak for myself. What we think upon is what settles in our heart. What is in our heart comes out our mouth. And what comes out our mouth is either pride or humility. The key to overcoming pride is the saturation of God's word in our minds, in our minds and in our hearts. I like Philippians chapter 2. Why don't you turn there? We'll read that together. Philippians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, Philippians 2, 1. If they're therefore... If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, 
If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through, and we talked about this this morning, which fine with pride, strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. With heads bowed and eyes closed and pianists come into play, if you think you don't have much pride, you've missed, you've missed what God's telling you this morning. We just, we just need God to help us with it. We need to ask God to let, let it not have dominion over us, to be held in control. Even those great men of faith that we had talked about who were humble had some prideful situations and very difficult things that they went through because of it. May we just think about it a little more, recognize it, love people a little more in spite of the pride, and try to see our own pride in our lives because it affects relationships. If we get our relationship right with God, if we have that relationship in that secret place that I was talking about, that's a place of humility. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. 1 Samuel 2.3 says, talk no more so exceedingly, exceeding proudly, let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. How is God speaking to you this morning? I pray you bless the Lord in your heart and obey Him. Amen. Thank you for your attention. I pray the Lord spoke to you this morning and uh, help you. Father, just again, we come before you thanking you for your good word. Let it, let it rule in our life. Let it be inside us more. Let it be what's so full in us that flows out of us to a lost and a dying world for the sake of our children, for the sake of the church. Lord God, we need your help. Thank you for each family here in this church, Lord. May we work together and... Uh, in love and, and labor together 
uh, for your honor and for your glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.